Well, welcome this morning. We are continuing our study through the book of Ephesians. And uh, we're into chapter two now. Praise the Lord. Um, so far, what we've covered has been um, looking from God's perspective, really, at his purpose and love towards us realized in Jesus Christ. And it's from God's perspective, we've been looking all the way back from the foundations of the world of God's counsel and plans and purpose towards us. Um, and just when we look at, at what he accomplished in Christ and the power of Christ and setting Christ above all things and the power of Christ, it's this big, amazing thing. And you have, you have Paul's prayer in the middle of it that would, we would know and understand these things that God's uh, accomplished towards us in his love uh, in Christ. Well, now in chapter 2, um, we're going to take a new perspective. We're going to take a perspective from that um, of the human perspective, of our perspective. And, and our experience doesn't go back to the foundations of the world. Our, our experience goes back, well, since we were born. And, and it's just within our lifespan. What we know is what we've experienced um, over our lifespan. And uh, as, as we get into this, we'll also see in chapter 2, it's not just from the perspective from a human perspective, but it's from a Gentile perspective. It's from, from the perspective of those that were in Ephesus that didn't know the promises of God that he'd been working within Israel, within the Jews. And so they're, they're completely outside of any of the promises of God, any knowledge um, of the promises of God. That's, that's a foreign thing to them. So they were coming from a position of complete hopelessness um, apart from God. And so we read going into Ephesians chapter 2, and it says, and you were dead in, your in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Father, as we're starting to dig into Ephesians chapter 2, and we're looking at your love towards us, but from our perspective, carried out in your Son, God, help us to see the truth of your word. God, our experience is not, uh, it's not the full picture. We're realizing that. So, God, we need the truth of your word to see correctly the truth of the circumstance that we're in now and the truth of your love towards us in Christ. So, God, open our eyes to your word this morning. In Jesus' name. So, where does it start? What is our perspective? Well, we start dead in our sin. We're, we're born dead, in a sense. And this goes back to the definition of what it means to be dead back in the garden when, when God said, if, when, when you eat of that fruit of that tree, in the moment that you eat of it, you will surely die. And then we look at that and we go, wait a second, they didn't really die. What we know to be death is, is your body stops breathing and, and that's what we know to be death. But really, we never have known the full experience of what Adam and Eve knew to be alive. Our experience from the beginning of our life is beginning dead, spiritually dead. And, and here in Ephesians, we get to see what more specifically and practically what that means 
that we're dead. But that's something uh, that really only Adam and Eve could say that they knew the contrast, what it was like before and after, the fullness of being alive, and then what God said would happen when they ate the fruit of that tree, that they would die, and they died. And that's the experience that we're born into. We think of that as normal. It's not what God designed us for. It's not uh, not what's supposed to be. Um. Death is something, something that uh, in our life, we, we, we li- we're living in this, this mode of being dead spiritually, and it isn't really until we encounter the Word of God, we encounter the holiness of God, that then we see that there's a problem. Um, and really, when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, that was the first time we really got this standard of holiness, of of what the requirement is between us and God, between us and our fellow man, of God's standard of holiness. And when we look at that, um, we fail miserably. Uh, Just looking at a couple of things, uh, God said, you shall have no other gods before me. Um, Everything we do is is full of idols. How many things do we put before God? Uh, in our life, even even down to whether I have the latest iPhone or or Android, these these things we put in our life before God, we put before our family, even um, we put ourselves before God. That's treason. It's another form of idolatry that that my needs are more important, God, than serving you. When you look at some of the standards of what, what should be, what's God's standard of holiness in our relationship with others, um, well, God said, thou shall not murder. Well, I'm, I'm good with that one. But then Jesus clarifies and says, if I even have hatred in my heart towards my brother, then in my heart I've already committed murder. Okay, well, then I'd have to say I fall into that category. It says you should not commit adultery. And then Jesus clarifies and says, well, if you even look lustfully, then that's committing adultery already in your heart. Well, I'm going to fall into that category too. So what does that make David Mathis, your pastor, apart from God's salvation? Well, an idol, an a, uh, idol-serving, adulterous murderer who's treasonous against God. That's That's me apart from God. And when I consider that I am going to have to stand before God someday and give an account for my life, and he is going to judge justly, then the hopelessness of my situation is clear. I can't stand before God. I have no better ability to save myself than a dead person. I'm dead in the midst of a burning building. I can't pick myself up and walk out. Then we get to verse 4, and there's two wonderful words, but God. (laughs) Praise the Lord for those two words. So I've shared my testimony a couple times, and I'm going to continue to share it because we need, it's an important thing in my life, it was a big step in my life, but we we need to get over ourselves and and 
and trust God in our lives for what he's doing. My testimony I've shared with my wife, uh, November 2017, November 28th, we have the date on our wall at home, um, was the time where God gave me the courage to approach my wife and tell her that my life for the past 20 years of our marriage had had, had this big lie in it that I had had uh, an addiction to pornography and not, she didn't know it, nobody knew it. I had kept this a perfect secret and I was terribly afraid of letting it be known. But in seeking the Lord and saying, God, I want to be free of this, he made it clear that I had to make it known. And so he gave me the courage to approach my wife, and, and that was on a Tuesday. And on Wednesday, I remember I had to go drive out to Houston for work, and I was on my motorcycle, and I remember in my helmet just yelling, I am free. And praise the Lord, I have been free for more than a year now. Um, God has freed me. He has freed us in our marriage from that. And that, that Wednesday night, I uh, came home, and she was dealing with a, a lot of just processing. Um, just what, what does that mean? The last 20 years have been. And, and we talked more, and God was already fixing things in our relationship, fixing things in our marriage that were broken. We didn't even know were broken. Well, then comes Thursday, just two days later, and I was a part of this class at Fellowship called Training Center, uh, a wonderful uh, theological training class under our pastor there, and he had decided that week that he was going to change the format a little. Instead of doing what we usually did, he was going to have each of us read these different passages that we were going through at the time, and not even thinking about it, I ended up with this passage. Ephesians chapter 2, the beginning of it, and I'm reading, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins and what you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And then I read, but God, and I almost lost it. <laughs> I was trying to hold it together, and I did hold it together. I, it was too fresh to let people know what was going on in my life. Um, but boy, the incredible grace of God towards me that I, I just remember it now, reading this passage and then pressing on through. But God, being rich in mercy, being because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Praise the Lord. Dead in my sin, but now in Christ. I am alive in Christ. What I want to do this morning is I want to contrast these two things. Dead in my sin, alive in Christ, and what that means. So if you're following in your notes, there's actually three points under each of those, and I'm going to be jumping back and forth as I contrast each of those between what it tells us about being dead in our sin versus now being alive in Christ. All right. The first, dead in my sin, we are children of wrath. That's what it says in Ephesians, uh, verse 3, actually. 
It says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's what we were born into. We're born into what is the enemy camp against God. With all of mankind, uh, we're born into a position deserving the wrath of God. We inherited that from our parents. They inherited it from theirs. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. From the garden forward, they were dead in their sin, and we have inherited that sin nature. We are born dead in our sin, and, and that's, that's a condition uh, that's very evident immediately uh, as we grow up and we see that sin nature come out. But God, <laughs> but God entered the scene. In Ephesians uh, chapter 2, down in verse 5, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's, that's complete. That's something we covered uh, in the beginning of chapter 1, that, that we have every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenly places. So spiritually, we are already in Christ seated um, with him in heaven uh, so that, uh, looking forward, that the, in the coming ages, God might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. We have been born again. We're no longer in death or, or, or dead in our sin, children of wrath. We are alive in Christ, children of grace. What we now inherit is the grace of God that now he wants to just pour out on us in the ages to come. And not just that, we're children of God, <laughs> the adopted children of God. But in contrasting to wrath, I wanted to point out grace is what we inherit now in Christ as a new creation, born again, starting over what God is creating in us. All right, the second thing. Um, the second thing as we, as we get into this, uh, dead in our sin, we are slaves to selfish passions. Now, really what that is is that we're slaves to sin, but I wanted to point out that it's slaves to selfish passions. It's, it's what, it, in our experience of sin, it, our selfishness, so we, how much we are just all about caring for ourselves and, and our own passions and desires. If we look in Ephesians again in... in um, well, in verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind by nature, children of wrath. This is, a na this is our sin nature. It's not something we had to be taught, something we've, we've known uh, since we were little. When Andy was little, he's the oldest, so I get to talk about him. When, when Andy was little, we adopted Andy. We'd been trying to have kids for many years, and finally God blessed us with Andy. We saw why we hadn't been able to have kids. Um, but then after Andy was born, 18 months later, along comes Joey. And Andy was thrilled to have Joey as a younger brother in his life. Until there was that day. Andy was there playing with his toys in the corner of the living room. And Joey, on the other side of the living room, began to crawl in Andy's direction. And Andy started going, 
no, no. He starts gathering all his toys and, no, Joey, no, Joey. He didn't have to be taught how to take care of his own and to be worried about his own and his own things as being most important, as something that, that we have very naturally. In fact, just that innate uh, desire of satisfying ourselves is something that we leverage in marketing. It's, it's this fundamental thing of marketing that we can, we can leverage that in people and, and feed that and, and sell things and make lots of money off of people's weaknesses. Um, if you, next time you're, you're watching TV and you're going through the commercials, just pay attention. Some of them are obvious. Uh, some of them are, are a little more subtle, but it's all feeding the same thing, this nature that's built into us. Um, uh, any of you remember the, uh, the Verizon commercials? How's it start? Time to treat yourself. And then the next big slogan, the gifts you want. On the network, you deserve. What's it's it's just almost too obvious. There, it's, they're just saying yes. We're going to celebrate this thing, um, but we celebrate self in a lot of ways, and and in the things that are good, even it's still all about us, and it's deceptive because there's a lot of good in it, but we. The deceiver of this world, he's a, he's, a, he's a liar and the father of lies. It wouldn't be obvious if he wasn't good at what he does. And, and we want it to be what he says it is because we are all about what ourselves are. How, how often have you seen the phrase, believe in yourself? That's, that's a foundational belief of our culture. And it's paired with a lot of good things. There's perseverance there. There's discipline there. There's overcoming obstacles there. We see it in these great stories of someone I just dug deep and I believed in myself and I overcame this thing. And there's a lot of good there. But what's the fullness of the truth of our situation? Here I am, having dug deep inside myself to overcome an obstacle, and now I'm celebrating that, and, and I'm, I'm hearing these things, be true to yourself. Okay, I need to be true to myself, myself first. If I'm gonna, be, if I'm gonna have a good relationship, first I gotta be true to myself. How wrong is that? If I'm true to myself first, that's gonna break my relationships. That's the reality that we find out, but that's not what we wanna, we don't wanna connect the dots there. So be true to yourself Dig deep, believe in yourself. If you believe enough in yourself, you can do it, and you can find within yourself the substance to overcome obstacles. And maybe I do overcome an obstacle because I, I'm disciplined and I dig in and I overcome it. Where does that put me? I am still here facing a future where I'm gonna need to be accountable to a holy and mighty God. Did any of that help my situation? No, I'm still dead in my sin. Tomorrow, yes, I overcome an obstacle now. Tomorrow, is that going to carry me into tomorrow? Is it going to carry me into the next day? What we find, the reality is depression. The reality that people are experiencing is broken relationship. That's what's finally coming out of all of this, and it's just following the course of this world. Still, at odds, enemies against the holy God. But God. <laughs> but God in Christ. 
No longer am I a slave to my selfish passion. But I'm a slave to Christ. No longer am I walking according to the ways of this world, but I'm following Jesus Christ. No longer is it digging deep within myself to find that thing that's going to overcome something, but in my very weakness, the power of Christ in me is able to overcome anything. How much better it is it to be in the walking in the power of Christ? Paul and James identify themselves in many places as bond servants of Jesus Christ. Bond servant is something uh, you go back in in the Old Testament and and they had slavery. It was different. The way they would pay off debts would be to become someone's slave. I owe you something, and so I can become your slave, and that's for a time, and then no longer. But sometimes life was better with the master, and so the slaves had this option to say, you know, my life is better being your servant, your slave. I don't want to leave. So I want to be your bond servant for life. And they would go to the, the, the doorpost, and, and they would... Uh, knock a hole in their ear, and they would become their bond slave for life. And so Paul says, I am a bond slave of Christ. It is better to be his servant than to be following my own way according to this world, which really is a slavery of its own. So we get to be in Christ, slaves not to our own passions, not to the ways of this world, but slaves to Christ, following Christ. Let's look real quick in Romans chapter 6. In verse 16, it says, Do you not, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. And thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. How incredible is the plan of God? Walking in righteousness. <laughs> it seems ironic to call it slavery because it's the most free that we have ever experienced. We're slaves to the one who loves us and gave his life for us. Look in... Um, in chapter 2, starting in verse 8, he continues, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. This is all God's accomplishment, saving us, raising us from the dead. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What has God done? We walked, it used the word walked back there in, in the beginning. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. But now he has set us on a new course. 
where he's taking us back to what Adam and Eve were, where, where what we do is good, by God's definition, good. We're not completely there yet. Now, they're, they're what's completed is that I've been justified before God, and, and, and I'm not enjoying the fullness of what it is to be alive yet, um, because God's still got a lot to work. And that's what I experienced in November 28th, was God um, changing what was according to the, the ways of this world and changing that into something that he calls good. And it, and it has affected our relationship and our family. Um, we're enjoying God's definition of good in our life. All right, the final point here. Uh, Dead in our sin, our life is characterized by lies and conflict. Um, I'm not going to turn to it in the interest of time, but in in the first chapter of Romans, um, basically says that in our unrighteousness, we suppress the truth. We are truth suppressors. We're living lies. And, And it says... Even though we, we suppress the truth, the truth is obvious around us. We are out without excuse. If I go walk outside and I see the trees and the grass and I look up and I see the sun and at night I see the moon and I see the stars and I see everything so perfectly put together, I'm seeing the glory of God, evidence of God's power and glory. And there is no excuse for me to say, no, there is no God and I am not accountable to a God. No, we all have obvious evidence right in front of us that there's a God, and in that, he has put moral code in us. We know that we stand here and are going to be accountable to a God. That's built into us, but we're living a lie, and we're lying to ourselves. That's the condition that we're in. Um, Look with me real quick in Titus, um, Titus chapter 3, verse 3. Not only are we living a lie, but we're living in constant conflict. Titus is with the T's. All of the T's are together in the New Testament, if you haven't noticed that already. It's the last T. Uh, Titus chapter 3, verse 3 says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. There you go. That's, there's our slavery to sin. Passing our days in malice and envy hated by others, and hating one another. The conflict that we live in, the lies that we live in, the, it's not just conflict that we, that we see that's, that's this global conflict. There's obvious people that think completely different from us, and, we, and it's an obvious conflict that we have there. But our conflict goes all the way into our closest relationships. Navigating our closest relationships is always this navigation of conflict. It's me versus you. It's, it's me being careful with what I say because I might offend you. It's, we're constantly in this world of lies and conflict, living a lie. The, the, I think more than ever right now, we are, uh, we're a generation that lives something that's fake, that's a lie on the surface. Um, the, and it's becoming obvious to us, and, but we don't change uh, but how many times have you seen a video about the irony of, of Facebook and how we have so many friends and, and I have this, 
the surface layer self that everyone sees, but on the inside, uh, it doesn't match anything. We're, we're kind of putting forth this image. That's, that's the life that we live um, in sin. There's no integrity to what we're putting out on the surface because deep inside we're still broken. We're still dealing with things. But God. But God called us in Christ, and in Christ our life is no longer characterized by lies and conflicts, but it's characterized by truth and peace. In God, there is no falsehood. There is only truth, and it runs all the way down. And as we grow in Christ, we can walk in truth. Why do I share my testimony that's sometimes awkward to share? Because I want to walk in truth. I don't want to be any different at any depth down than what's up here. This is Christ. It's Christ. It's Christ. All the way to the bottom. I, am, I have no righteousness of my own. We come to Christ dead in our sin. We recognize that I'm dead. And I need Christ. But then Christ comes and he creates, puts his righteousness on me at every level all the way down. We can, for the first time in our relationships, be transparent with each other. Oh, it was good to finally be able to be fully transparent with my wife. If you don't know that now, through God's grace, you can. I didn't think I would. I thought I was going to go to the grave with my secrets. And as a, as a result, I could never be fully known by my wife. But in Christ... We no longer have to hide. We no longer have to be afraid. We no longer have to say, I can't love this person because of all of these reasons, the risk involved. No, everything that I am is in Christ. And yes, now I can love another person fearlessly because I'm not standing on my own righteousness anymore. I'm standing on the righteousness of Christ. Let's look real quick ahead in, in Ephesians in chapter 4. At a little bit of a picture of the means in which we walk this life in Christ. Paul says, verse 1, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. This is what life is like in Christ. When we submit to him with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another. Yes, we still have to be careful in our conversations, but now I'm going I'm to bear your burdens, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In Christ, a life is characterized by truth and peace for the first time, true Peace, something we haven't had apart from Christ. A life empowered by the Holy Spirit. So how do we go from being dead to being alive in Christ? It's there in Ephesians, as plain as it gets, in verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Through faith. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, 
What's keeping you? You've, you've got every, everything here you need to know. You say, David, you know, I, I've, I've been doing this Christian thing for a while. I've called myself a Christian even. This is, this is the United States. We're Christians here. But I don't see a point in my time, a point in time in my life where, where I went from just following the course of the world that I started my life in, and now there's not, there wasn't a, a change, a point where, where I went from that to following Christ, to setting aside that life and following Christ. If you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, I encourage you to do that. David, how do I do that? What do, what do I need to do? You know, do I need to get something ready in my life? What, what do I need to do in order to do that? There's nothing you need to do in order to do that. He said it as, cl- as plainly as I can see here that, that it's not us that are going to save it. We're the dead person in the burning building. We can't save ourselves. But he says through faith. So what does that look like? It's just, it's just praying, saying, God, I believe I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. God, I I believe that you loved me and sent your son to die for me, to take my penalty on the cross, to reconcile God to man so there'd be no more enemy, enmity between me and God. I believe that. Everything that we've been reading here about you sending your son to die for me, I believe it. And God, I want to surrender my life to you. I want you to be my Savior. You don't have to say it in those words. <laughs> you just say what God's put on your heart. If you've committed your life to Christ, tell somebody. There's pastors even who have come to the realization that they never really reached that point to surrender their life to Christ. We can go along pretending and putting a fake layer on the front. But that's not what God has called us to He wants to make us born again and new from top to bottom, truly saved in Jesus Christ. If you have questions about that, this is the most important thing we will ever teach on here. We'll teach on it in every ministry that we do, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you have questions on that, um, talk to one of us. If If that's too awkward, um, I think we even have a checkbox on the, on the, on the communication card. Say, I'm, I'm interested in more information about what it means to commit my life to Christ. Put that in. We'll give you a call. Don't wait. Let's pray. Father, thank you. <laughs> thank you for your salvation. That no longer are we dead in our sin. But we are alive in you, Jesus. God, even for, for those who have, who have committed their lives to Christ already, but they're still just struggling with, these, with the course of this world, the things that we still are dealing with in the flesh, God, I pray that you would just give us renewed faith and trust in you, that you want us to walk in your ways that are good, and that we can trust you. We don't need to be afraid. God, if anyone in their heart is just being pulled for the first time to commit their lives to you, God, I pray that they would, they would take that step. Not just take it, but tell somebody. 
and be encouraged. God, you said that when even one person turns to you, that angels are celebrating in heaven. God, we want to celebrate with them too. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this church. Thank you uh, for letting us be a part of spreading your, your love and your gospel to other parts of the world so that others can know about you and enjoy the life that is there in Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.